You understand that in Bible translation, there should be an equivalent word in the Hebrew for the English word. Well, for the word Messiah, it, there are 39 occurrences of the same Hebrew word. Two of them translated Messiah. The other 37 are translated anointed or anointed one. And that really helps us because when we get to the New Testament and we get to the Lord Jesus, we find that he is many, many times referred to as the anointed one. And he is without doubt the Messiah. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Trust that the Lord is encouraging your heart today and will bless you through his word. And I hope you're enjoying your Bible as we launch into this new year. May you be a daily, regular Bible reader, opening the book, turning its pages, and digesting the contents of God's Word to your heart. It is God's love letter calling you to worship Him, to obey Him, and to live in the joy and power of the gospel. That good news that the Lord Jesus is the Savior of the world. I've been taking a fresh look at the book of Job, and it is phenomenal what we learn when we just take time to read and meditate upon those great passages. Now, this week we continue to look at Daniel's prophecies here on radio from Daniel chapter 9. Fulfilled prophecies are fantastic confirmations that the Bible is the Word of God, and much more than the writings of men. Who could write about nations and peoples and judgments on Jerusalem if they were not moved by the Spirit of God to write them. Prophecies also tell us that God knows what he is doing, and how comforting that is as we enter this new year. God is on the throne. He is building his church. He's ruling the world to gather in his people. And our prayer ought to be, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Pray that you be brought into the very center of God's will in your life. Now, we're turning to Daniel chapter 9, verses 21 uh, through to 27. Just let's read the Bible and take this in today. Yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore understand the matter, and consider the vision. 
Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy temple to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the Prince shall come, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood and under the end of the war desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate." So now stay tuned with us as we open our Bible at Daniel chapter 9 as we turn to another section on this message in the book of Daniel. When Jerusalem was, as I said, wiped off the map, and we must never underestimate the tragedy of the fall of Jerusalem in AD 70. Historians tell us that it was a siege of about two years, and it was a long, horrible siege when the Jewish people were mad with their own rebellion against authority. They brought upon them the judgment of the Roman uh, oppressors against them, and the butchery that went on inside the walls of Jerusalem with fighting factions of the Jews until the corpses were piling up in the streets. And then when the Roman army broke in, it is recorded that in total there was some 1.1 million slaughtered, and somewhere close to 100,000 people were sold into slavery. Many were sent in ships to Egypt as slaves. All of that, by the way, was prophesied away back by Moses in the book of Deuteronomy that if my people did not obey my commands, that they would be scattered among the nations and sold into slavery. And so when you read there about the desolation of abominations, think A.D. 70, the destruction of the Jewish city, the Jewish temple, and something else that was done. The furniture of the temple was carried away, the Ark of the Covenant, which is now gone never recovered. The, the institution of Judaism totally collapsed in AD 70. And while there was a vast dispersion of Jews who kept their identities through synagogues, through their own practices and customs, the worship of sacrificing in the temple was never again reinstituted, even to this day. It was totally ended. And these time markers that we see here tonight 
Now, I know that I might be going ahead a little and laying down these markers, but they certainly have helped me to grasp and understand the scope of the period of time of Daniel's vision or the vision that was given to Daniel as he sought the Lord. And it is very good to know and very important to know that all of these predictions that are given here in these verses are now fulfilled. They are all fulfilled. And what a thrill that is. We are not now left to any guesswork whatsoever. We're not left to try and figure out some mystery because when Daniel was given this, well, he was flummoxed. He didn't know what to make of it. And there were many that studied the book of Daniel before these events were fulfilled. And they were wondering, how is this going to happen? And while they were able to figure out the 490 years that when the birth of the Lord and the life of the Lord, there was this high elevation of expectation. The Messiah was coming. He's coming. This is the time. And they were working out the figures from Daniel. Some would even say that at the Passover, on the uh, time when the Lord was arrested and crucified, that at that Passover, there was such an expectation of the coming of the Messiah that there were extra people in attendance, over three million men and others who attended Jerusalem for that Passover because of the expectation of scholars that were studying this prophecy of Daniel. And they were feeding on this prophecy, wondering how it will all work out. But tonight, we are in the privileged position of looking back. And we know that the Messiah has come. We know that the promises of the Lord have been fulfilled. And something now that really condemns the Jew, who says to this day, the unconverted Jew, he will say, we're still looking for the Messiah. We're still waiting for the Messiah to come. That's unbelief. That is denial of the wonderful prophecies that the Lord has given in his word. And of course, they refuse to consider the Lord Jesus as the Messiah, as the one who fulfilled even the scripture of Isaiah. Now, I will put this prophecy up there with Isaiah 53 as getting down to specifics about the, the death of the Lord Jesus. It says here that he is cut off, but not for himself. That's to every gospel-minded Bible reader a very evident depiction or description of the Lord Jesus, and it refers to the Lord. Now, we're going back to verse 24, and if I may just share with you, verse 24 is the substance of the whole passage. The remaining verses are just added information. And I want you to note in verse 24, there are a little, there's a little word, a preposition, to, and it appears six times in verse 24. You know what a preposition is? It's just a little helper word uh, to point to a certain statement. And this is a prediction. It's a prediction. And you'll see six of them. And I have circled them in my Bible. And I would ask you to mark them in some way. Each one of these statements or six predictions that are made in verse 24. And just read the text again. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people 
and upon thy holy city, number one, to finish the transgression. That's the first prediction. And then you have the second one, and to make an end of sins. And number three, to make reconciliation for iniquity. And fourthly, to bring in everlasting righteousness. And fifthly, to seal up the vision and prophecy. And number six, to anoint the most holy. Now, as a preacher, what do you think the six headings should be? What do you think we should do with these six predictions? Well, I am not at liberty to change them. I'm going to take them just as they are in the Bible. I'm going to make these headings or separate predictions as they are found right here in this verse. Now, prophecy can be somewhat obscure, and we do wonder how did Daniel take this in. We have, of course, the great advantage. Now, because of the obscurity of certain predictions or prophecies in the Old Testament, we wonder, will we get them right? Well, if you got one out of six, would you be happy? If one out of six of these predictions was fulfilled, would you say that that would be satisfactory? If two out of six was fulfilled, and so on, what if you got five out of six? Would you not say, wow? But if you got six out of six, you would say that is shockingly wonderful, inspired prophecy. Well, commentators are very dogmatic about five. The sixth one is not just so easy. And so we might have to settle for five out of six. And we'll have to wait until we get to heaven to discover the fullness of the sixth one. But let's begin with number one. And I'm watching the clock, and I don't think we're going to get through all of this in our time here tonight. But we'll begin with number one, to end Jewish transgression. Well, I added in the word Jewish here, to finish the transgression. And I say that that refers to the Jewish or the Jews' own transgression. And this relates to the sins of the Jewish people. You probably are familiar with John 1 verse 11, which says that the Lord Jesus came unto his own, but they received him not. When the Lord was ministering, his greatest enemies were the Jewish people. They were hostile against the Lord Jesus. And of course, they would have stoned him. They would have uh, chased him out. And eventually, they crucified him. And the sins of the Jewish people were brought to their highest peak of iniquity when they persecuted the Lord Jesus and crucified him. That was the greatest transgression. They could sin no greater than by putting to death the Son of God who came into their midst. Now turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 23, and just let's hear the words of the Lord Jesus on this very topic. Uh, Matthew chapter 23 and verse 27. <clears throat> Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for your leg unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones, and of all uncleanness. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Woe unto you, 
scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because ye build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous and say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore, ye be witness unto yourselves that ye are the children of them that killed the prophets. Fill ye up, and this is the key verse now, fill ye up then the measure of your fathers. The Jews in the days of the Lord Jesus, in their rejection of him and in their crucifixion of him, they filled up the transgression of the Jewish nation to the full, so that when they put to death the Son of God, they brought the greatest condemnation and judgment upon themselves. And at the point where they crucified Jesus, they brought to an end transgression. They could sin no greater. And that was a fulfillment of that passage back there in Daniel 9. And so the hardness and the blindness of heart among the Jewish people is seen in the death of Christ. It's also seen in the stoning of Stephen. Stephen preached that mighty sermon, Acts chapter 7, where he rehearsed all the dealings of God with the Old Testament people. But instead of accepting the Scriptures and accepting the reality that Jesus is the Messiah, they stoned Stephen and put him to death. So there was no remedy for the Jewish people, the Jewish system, from that point on. Now, there was nothing left but judgment for that nation. And tonight I want to bring a little gospel warning to everyone that hears the gospel, knows who Jesus is, but tonight is a Christ rejecter. You need to know that what you do with Jesus is going to define your eternity. If you reject him and blaspheme him, you will be judged. You will come under great wrath and condemnation, just as the Jewish people did in AD 70. What are we to do with Christ? Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and ye perish from the way. You are to embrace the Lord Jesus, receive him, believe on him, and you will be saved. Boys and girls, young people, I want to implore upon you tonight to love the Lord Jesus or your transgressions in your rejecting of the Son of God will be brought to its full. That's a powerful warning to every one of us. Now, I think we have time just for one more of the six. Number two, to make an end of sins. That's the, the second prediction in Daniel 9, verse 24. And it says, and to make an end of sins. Now, hear me out on this. I take this to be the end of Jewish sacrifices. It says here, and to make an end of sins. The whole economy of the Jewish nation, Jewish worship, was premised on animal sacrifice. It goes away back to Aaron, Moses, in the tabernacle, in the wilderness. They were called upon to make the morning and evening sacrifice. Every time they worshiped God, it involved the slaughter of an animal and its blood to be presented uh, in the temple 
or in the tabernacle. But the blood of the Lord Jesus being shed by the voice of the Jewish people, that was the end of sacrificing and the end of the blood of animals and beasts. We know from the book of Hebrews, and it gives a great deal of information of how the blood of animals can never take away sins, but God has opened up a new and living way by the blood of Jesus. And we know that when the Lord died on the cross, the veil in the temple was torn in two. God was speaking very loudly that the way of worship by the physical temple, blood atonement, the blood of animals is over because the Messiah was cut off, but not for himself. In the New Testament church, there are no priests. You read of a list of offices of apostles and teachers, evangelists, and so on, but there's no priest in the New Testament because in the New Testament, every Christian is a priest. You are a priest. You have the right to come. The veil is open. The way of access is yours. You may press right in to the presence of God by the blood, this new and living way by the blood of Jesus. And so when Christ died on the cross, it brought an end of sacrifices, sacrifices for sins. It was over. But sadly, the Jewish people didn't get it. And they tried to persist. And they kept on using that altar right up to A.D. 70, when God brought his final judgment. And you might wonder why the Lord Jesus, when he entered into Jerusalem that week, uh, when he, before Passover, and when he was entering the city of Jerusalem, we call that Palm Sunday, when he was, the people were shouting their hosannas. When Jesus saw the city of Jerusalem, what did he do? He wept. He wept over the city of Jerusalem because he knew it wasn't just his own death. It would be the judgment of the very city Jerusalem and the people in it, that they would not accept his offering and that that city would be from that day under terrible judgment that was finally executed in A.D. 7. And so the message to us tonight is, let us get our eyes on the finished work of Jesus, that great sacrifice. And it is the New Testament church's work, as you will read in Acts and the Apostle and the Epistles, that they preached the blood of Jesus. We read of that and learned of that this morning in Romans 3, that propitiatory sacrifice based on the blood of Jesus, and that our faith is in the blood. That now is the way of worship. The way of the Old Testament Levitical worship is ended. And in that little statement back in Daniel 9, 24, the end of sins, to make an end of sins, an end of sins' sacrifices. And praise God, we can shout tonight our hallelujah that we worship through the Lord Jesus. And we have the way of prayer. And we don't worship any longer on one particular spot in a temple or a tabernacle. We worship wherever two or three are gathered together in the name of Jesus. And we're under his headship. 
We're under his grace. We enjoy fellowship with the Father through the Son. And our bodies are now the temples of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God dwells in us that we may glorify the Father. What a beautiful arrangement. And it's a liberty that went far beyond what they enjoyed in the Old Testament. That's not to say the Old Testament people, there were not among them many believers, many were, old Simeon for sure. He had this wonderful hope that he would see the Redeemer and his faith was very strong. And he saw beyond the tabernacle, the temple and the furniture of the temple and the incense that he was using to offer prayer. He saw beyond all those things. He looked for his Messiah, his Jesus. And what a happy day, what a happy day when he took that little infant in his arms and blessed God, all because he was a student of the Scriptures and he understood these things with the help of God. Well, we're going to leave it there tonight. So we've got four more. And then we also need to go what the Lord Jesus said about Daniel's prophecy. That will be very interesting. What we learn in the Gospels when the Lord Jesus referred back about the desolation written by Daniel. That's going to be very interesting. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of our Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. And this is Pastor Ian Golliher. I have a question for you. What a man thinks about the blood of atonement of the Lord Jesus tells you about his faith. Modernists despise the blood atonement. They mock it and call it an outdated, cruel form of religion. They say that God is love and not looking for blood. They even say that when the Lord Jesus died on the cross, God was not punishing him for anything. How far from the truth these statements are. Cain lost his way to God and was rejected because he despised the way of the blood. The Egyptians perished on the night of the Passover because there was no blood mark on their doors. The angel of death struck down every firstborn son, all because there was no blood mark on the doors of the Egyptians. The writer of the book of Hebrews said that without the shedding of blood is no remission, and that Aaron the high priest worshipped not without blood. The Bible is insistent that for a man or a woman to worship God, he or she needs confidence in the blood atonement of the Lord Jesus. It is because of his sacrifice for sin that Jesus is the way to the Father. It is through faith in his blood that we are accepted in the Beloved by the Father through the Lord Jesus. So never despise the crosswork of the Lord Jesus as a substitutionary sacrifice for sinners. The only way for a sinner to be accepted with God is to rest in the cleansing power of Jesus' blood. And as the hymn asks, what can wash away my sin? We always answer, nothing but the blood of Jesus. You have been listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of this broadcast or would like to hear it again, you can go to ltbs.ca. You will also see ways you may support 
this gospel ministry. And you will find details about our church in Scarborough, where Pastor Larry Saunders is the minister. In Port Hope, where Reverend Reggie Cranston is the minister. In Barry, where Reverend Anthony DiDerno is the minister. And in Buffalo, where Reverend Philone is the minister. You will find all their details at ltbs.ca. If I can be of personal help, I would love to open the Bible to talk and pray one-to-one with you so that you may know you are saved and sure of it. Call me at 604-897-2040 or email me at ltbsradio at gmail.com. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Until the same time next week on this station, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His loving care.